Welcome to the toilet where the Mavericks are in town. Come and have a listen and let's go flush those dollars down. <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode 12 of FPL Toilet. I'm squeezing this in Friday night. I've been a bit busy the last couple of days. As you can hear, the theme is casualty, and I've been in A&E myself. My midfield's been in A&E. It was four yellow flags, now it's down to two yellows and a red. Yeah, it's all going off. So yeah, this is live from a disabled toilet this time. I did promise an episode, so here it is. Basically, as you know, international break. Two weeks of stuff to ferment in my mind, and it's going to come out here. Before I start, I just want to thank Ben Moxham. So I'm recording this on a new phone. He's the guy that recommended the phone. I've never even heard of it a few days ago, but I've now had it for a few days, and it's a great phone. So anyone else looking to... Just for a change, I say check it out. It's called the Pocophone F1. And the brand is... Xiaomi? Huami? I I can't say it. X-A... X-I-A-O-M-I Just look at it on YouTube Review sites, whatever But yeah, I recommend it I liken it to Matt Doherty So for a fraction of the price of the iPhone Alonso Or the Samsung Robertson Or the Google Pixel Trippier It seems to do exactly the same job And I'm still to find the catch So yeah, I recommend it Thank you, Ben Right, let's get going. I've got lots of names noted down on a notepad, which will hopefully spark my memory to what I want to say about them. See, so yeah, hopefully this will be a bit more ordered than some other ones in the past. I want to start with SoundCloud, and if you're wondering why these aren't uploaded on SoundCloud the last few, it's because I now need to pay if I want to continue uploading them there. And yeah, I'm not looking to make money from these, but I'm definitely not looking to spend money making them either so yeah it's, it's 10 pounds a month now if i want to continue putting them there or 90 pounds for the year what a bargain so yeah me personally i'd rather buy for that money 450 packs of twiglets or three bottles of whiskey two bottles of very good whiskey yeah i'd rather be a fat alcoholic if i'm honest so yeah if you're wondering why they're not there that's why i'm going to try and find Good alternatives like Acast. Right. And a little disclaimer before I start. This could be my last ever pod because I'm going to go lots of national stereotypes, age stereotypes. So yeah, I could be banned after this. But no, hopefully I've got good theories. Good. There's a, There's a point in there and I won't cross the line. I'm sure I won't. We'll find out. Right, so two more Meet the Managers were out during this this international break. And two more, again, older manager. It's older compared to me, so it's all relative. But it's not just age, it's they seem more mature in mindset. So yeah, there's been four so far. They've been quite similar. Actually, there's one guy, the guy from... What's it called? Like Transfer Hub? Or maybe it's five so far, actually. But yeah, he wasn't. He was a bit younger. But no, in general, I've got a theory that FPL suits. Again, I'm generalising. The older manager. 
because the older managers they're going to be less reckless they're going to you know more disciplined they've got a better grip on their emotions in general you know more life experience you sort of iron out that recklessness from you you know but yeah see so yeah patience is a thing that's come up but I think that's part of it it's just it's not even patience it's just maturity it's just a blanket statement it's just smart calculated decision making you know thinking ahead thinking not letting one bad outcome not necessarily a bad decision just a bad outcome not you know not going on tilt not going but yeah just not getting too emotional about something going wrong you know just thinking what was the logic behind it and yeah being cold in a positive sense that sort of leads me on to my national stereotypes so when I think of the best FPL managers it's it's arguably the Scandinavians the Nordic managers now I think which nationalities do I never see sort of around you know the top of the leaderboard you don't really see any Latin managers or Mediterranean managers again this is crazy look take five people from one country they're probably going to be completely different people but just from the outside looking in the Nordic manager you know again they're, they're a bit colder but not this, I know that could be a negative connotation so can the word the word robotic can have negative connotations but yeah cold and robotic in a positive sense you know cold is, is another word for calm just not emotional not you know this fiery fiery latino fuck sorry <laughs> uh what am i doing uh yeah but no just to the Nordic manager, they're like the chess player. They think ahead, they're calm. They don't get carried away with instances. They think of the bigger picture. And yeah, whereas the Latin manager, I know it's also because the Latin manager, maybe FPL is not as big in those countries because, you know, the Premier League's not the main league. You know, they probably have more La Liga on TV, more Serie A. Whereas, yeah, I assume Scandinavian countries, the Premier League's, you know, the really big league there. But yeah, I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> the BNP boomerang. Just throwing it out there and waiting for it to come back and hit me in the head. Let's see. Uh, third and the hat trick, third and final overgeneralization, national stereotype is about Sarri. So Sarri is Italian, of course. And you think of a football stereotype for Italians, it's sort of defensive masters. So Marcus Alonso, so he was praising, such massive praise of Alonso early season for his attacking output. But deep down was that making him uncomfortable? Those buccaneering performances Deep down, was he thinking, okay, long term, this could actually harm us? Thinking back to the Arsenal match where Alonso got a goal and assist, but for about 20 minutes there, Arsenal were rampant. Should have scored three or four. I think Aubameyang missed, he skied a couple of great chances. 
Mkhitaryan missed an Iwobi, I think. Both missed great chances as well. So yeah, maybe you can take Seri out of Italy, but can you take the Italy out of Seri? You know, throwing that one out there. Is this? I don't think it's just a points thing that Alonso's sort of reined in. I think he's actually not as attacking and rampaging lately. So yeah, that's what I want to monitor. Right, hopefully got through that unscathed. Um, right, actual players. So Richarlison, he's now playing up front. We've only had one game of evidence. So yeah, just in general, I was wrong about that. I thought he wouldn't do it now. Maybe wouldn't do it all season. One of the reasons I thought that is we're quite far away from the January transfer window and he's effectively killing off Tosin killing his confidence by putting Richarlison up front now when Tosin's fit and yeah let's say Richarlison doesn't work up front he's got a problem until January Silver but anyway enough of that he has done it and within minutes Richarlison got on the score sheet so we thought oh hello what have we got here a bit of a bit of an FPL monster is being born but no that was his only shot of the match and again to, to generalise a bit formation wise he's going to be double marked on the left wing you know he's only got the right back sort of close quarters of, of him is this oop actually a negative for him so yeah I want to monitor it more because I'd definitely be open to swapping from Richarlison to Sigurdsson because, yeah, for, at Watford, for example, under Silva, centre-forwards were terrible options. So they would do all the donkey work for people like Richarlison himself, people like Decore coming from, you know, bursting in from deep, sort of Ramsey style. Uh, I think it was Carrillo on the wing at the time. But, yeah, they would get the points, and Dini and Gray would just do all the hard work for no reward. So, yeah, it's definitely a luxury transfer. I don't think anyone has that luxury this game week. A lot of a lot of problems to sort out, a lot of flags out there. But yeah, definitely want to monitor that long term. And not having as many chances, could, it sounds stupid to say it's a positive, but it could help Richardson in the bonus if he's not blazing four or five shots over the bar every game. But in that game, one shot, one goal, but still was nowhere near the bonus. So yeah, I've got a lot of concerns. I think it's way too simplistic to say, playing up front, he's now a superior option. Um, Lacazette. So there was a discussion on the Scoutcast about Lacazette. So this is for people that don't own him already. Obviously, if you've got him, you keep him. But Andy, Andy sort of brought up Vardy, and it was almost like a shock. Like it was a crazy suggestion, but in my mind it's you know it's it's fifty fifty. So my main doubts over Lacazette are Yeah, how nailed is he? So he's nailed when he's playing well like this. For one bad performance, I could see a Bamiang centre forward and Lacazette not Lacazette, Mikaterian or Iwobi on the left wing. So maybe my problem person is I maybe overrate a Bamiang. In my opinion, he's he's the most dangerous centre forward in the world. You know, he's I'd put him like top three centre forwards in the world, honestly. So yeah, Lacazette's got that issue. 
while he's playing like this, like he reminds me of teenage Robbie Fowler. So yeah, I'm loving him right now, but what happens when he has a bad game? Savardi so can have a bad game. He can have five bad games in a row. He's still going to start the next game. Same as Firmino at the same price. So yeah, I want to see... I think a good litmus test for Lacazette is Liverpool game week 11. Because yeah, the only other two tricky games Arsenal have had this season, Lacazette was benched. So yeah, I want, I want him to start that game to raise some lingering doubts I've got over him. Because yeah, I had a good discussion on Twitter with a guy about Lacazette. <laughs> guy from Macedonia, just typing perfect English, which yeah, again... It's quite common with non-English speakers. Sorry, non-English as a first language speakers. They just make a mockery of English people and our inability to speak a second language. Anyway, that's irrelevant. But yeah, I had a good chat about Lacazette. Because yeah, I, th I think it's just... It's stuff you can't predict. You can't predict his form, which it's going to be down to his form if he keeps his place. Because, yeah, maybe it's not as simple as just saying easy fixtures, Lacazette plays, tough fixtures, he's benched. Maybe that's a bit too simplistic. Uh, Lovren I've got noted down. So Lovren, maybe his biggest fan, could be Jurgen Klopp. So the man that matters the most. So, yeah, Lovren, centre-backs don't need to be rotated. I really don't think they do. It's physical rotation. And I know Joe Gomez has done really well early season, but I still think Lovren is Klopp's man. See, it would not surprise me if he starts every game until, yeah, I want to say the rest of the season, but let's just say till Christmas. In which case, 4.9 mil for a, a nailed-on Liverpool asset, who we've seen can get bonus points. We see him get a couple of goals every season. That's a bargain. Not just he's a bargain, but if he's going to start every game at centre-back, suddenly you've got, you've got Joe Gomez twiddling his thumbs, putting pressure on Alexander-Arnold. So yeah, he's there to give Alexander-Arnold a breather in Champions League weeks. He's there, let's say it's horses for courses. There's a game where Klopp's worried about one of their the other team's wingers. He might stick Gomez in, because I think he's... A, Bit, probably a bit more solid defensively than Trent. I think Trent has definitely improved that part of his game. He's not just the great player going forward anymore. But yeah, that worries me about Gomez. And yeah, if you're not as confident as me about Lovren, I mean, it's still a lot of doubts. And all those doubts, I think, just point to point to Robertson as the, the best option. <coughs> Excuse me. Or, not Robertson, Allison. I know a lot of people are thinking about Allison. Bit pricey for my liking for a guy who doesn't get, doesn't really get saves or bonus, but, you know, he's got that security. You know, quick in and out with Allison could be the, that sounds filth, that could be the option. Right, Fulham. See, so, yeah, Mitrovic has had a price for which, yeah, I think that's a bit short-sighted. Because, yeah, three amazing fixtures coming up. Um, are you expecting your six, mil, six and a half mil striker to score every week? You know, you're just going to be disappointed if that's your expectations. Be a Mitrovic versus Cardiff. I'm going to contradict myself a bit here because is that such an amazing fixture? 
The reason I say that is Morrison and Bamba love the physical battle. You know, they're absolutely... They're rubbing their thighs in anticipation of that battle with Mitrovic. So, yeah, they, they could sort of spontaneously combust into each other, you know, cancel each other out a bit, which could then open up opportunity for Vieto and Schürrle. You know, they could be the the guys to benefit from that match, not Mitrovic. And talking about Schürrle, so when Salah looked like he was going to be injured, let's say last week, it wasn't Sterling that I went to or anyone. It wasn't an expensive mid. I went all the way down to the list and stopped at Schürrle. I actually thought he could be the best Salah replacement. And the only thing that was putting me off about doing it was he was so so much cheaper than Salah, so it just seemed seemed like the wrong thing to do. But no, I really think over the next three game weeks, Schürrle could be one of the top-scoring players in the game. Which means even if now Salah's fit and you want to keep Salah, why am I not going for Schürrle anyway? If I think that about him... If he's that cheap, and I think he can do that well. Oh, jeez, had to take a coughing break. Right, back in action. But yeah, Schürrle. So if you got the Ryan Fraser problem, this yellow flag, I know he had the same doubt last international break and started and got 18 points, but Bournemouth only really have two good fixtures left, and Fraser might not play one of them. If I had nothing else to do, if I had that luxury transfer, I'd really look at Fraser to Schürrle. Or if you're on a wild card, I think, yeah, take the punt that Fraser doesn't start or that this injury hampers him enough to make him blank. And yeah, go for Schürrle. I really like that. Right, time to refer to Twitter. So I saw posted a lot onto my timeline a podcast recently during the international break it's from FML FPL they're called and it was an interview with a guy it's called Michael Cayley he's one of the XG pioneers that sounds weird but yeah pioneers of expected goals uh, just more in-depth statistical analysis I guess you'd call it of, of football you know, I remember I remember having not having them. I remember seeing baseball cards as a kid. So many stats on the back of them. I had no idea what any any of these numbers meant. Numbers with three decimal points, RBI, CBI. No idea what I meant, what they meant, but I was fascinated by them. And yeah, apparently he's from that world and he's sort of bringing those sort of, that sort of depth to football. Anyway, I'm waffling. I recommend this podcast. One of the things which stood out from the podcast was, so he was given examples of specific teams and players, and one of them was Rue Patricio, which stuck in my mind because it was something playing on my mind going into it, and he just sort of backed up my one of my fears because I'm a non-owner, that Wolves are limiting teams to a lot of long shots. So obviously long shots means a lot of easy saves, you know, you just catching shots from 30 yards, tipping them over with relative ease. Because, yeah, I'm someone who always misses out on these double-figure double figure goalkeepers every season. I missed out on Pantelimon, Manone, when they were just churning out double-figure scores. Missed out on Heaton, 
missed out on Pope last season. And yeah, I'm just, I'm convinced it's going to be Patricio this season. And yeah, at the moment I've got three other Wolves players. So I'm, I've, I'm blocked from that. And yeah, I, th I just think it's inevitable. And it's, yeah, I need to get on him, I think, somehow. I need to find those transfers. I've already, I don't want to say wasted my wildcard, but I've used it now. But yeah, I think that's just ominous. He's just going to be the set and forget king. And yeah. So yeah, according to this podcast, Wolves are limiting teams to long shots. And they're blocking a lot inside the area. I know he's made a lot of good double saves from close range as well. But in general, it's like Pope would get four saves last season. I'd, w I'd watch match today. I'd be like, where are these saves? You know, they didn't make the highlights. So they must have just been nothing saves. But yeah, they all count in FPL. And they're going to get bonus, especially when Wolves aren't scoring goals at the other end. You know, they're winning games 1-0, which is perfect for the goalkeeper. Right, another thing I noticed on Twitter recently was... I'm not going to say beef. It doesn't count as beef. Just not petty argument. I think there's been some... Not nice stuff in the past, but yeah, this... This is my opinion on Mundane Gate. Cut that at one minute. So yeah, just sort of watch some of these things and think, Jesus, there's more to life than FPL. But no, on a serious note, I think David's done really well on the Scoutcast lately. I think it's improving. That's all you can really ask. Whatever you think of it, you want the next episode to be better than the one before. And I think he's improving as a manager. The show's improving. I think it is maturing in a good way after the teething problems. And yeah, he's a, he's a big part of that. So yeah, and I also read recently, I think Andy's taken a step back. Andy85. And yeah, I think I've, I've thought in the past, if, man, if people on the scout cast do that, I know there's positives of having the same sort of four faces every time. You sort of build that chemistry. The viewer, the listener sort of gets to know them more. I've also thought that people sort of taking a, a week off or two weeks off, they're going to come back fresher with more to say. I, th I think there's a lot of positives in that as well. See, so yeah, I'm sure. I think he said his reasons were just, you know, he wants he wants his evenings back as well, <laughs> which is completely fair enough. But no, I think there'll be a lot of positives with him stepping back, and I'm interested to see who this new person is. But yeah. Just, yeah, mundane gate. Whatever, whatever you want to make of that. 
Um, right. I actually wanted to play 20 minutes of that whale farting clip. I thought if I had a 40 minute pod where 20 minutes of it was whale farts, it would have been quite impressive. But no, I cut it at one minute. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I already wanted to say. I've been a bit hamstrung. I've quite badly injured my ankle. I look, honestly, I look, I look like the elephant man at the moment from the knee down. My ankle looks like one of George Ellicobi's biceps. So yeah, the flip side of that, I might have a bit more time to record pods. So yeah, whether you think that's a good or a bad thing, if you've got this far, hopefully you think it might be a good thing. I don't know. Uh, the pun feature's coming back next episode. So I haven't had time. I've only thought of a couple. So the winning theme was computer games slash computer game characters. So I've thought of a couple of bangers for that. But yeah, the full team will be in the next pod. But no, that's all from me. Have a great weekend. FPL-wise and non-FPL-wise. Take it easy. Please don't report me for my national stereotypes. Uh, yeah, from the disabled toilet, I bid you farewell. Take it easy.